Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Moms Talk Autism. I feel like we say this a lot, but we have an incredibly special guest for you today. And we actually have a little bit of a surprise guest also on the podcast today. So um, stick around because we have an awesome conversation that we can't wait to share with you. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Hello, hello, everyone. So we're going to do a round of introductions because I am the worst of the podcast girls on this, and I always forget to introduce everyone on the podcast. Um, First and foremost, excuse me, we're going to introduce our very special guest today. And for those of you who have listened to a few of our podcast episodes, uh, we had two episodes with Monica Myers. And we also had an episode with Tyler, Tasha's husband, where he talked about Michael. And so today on the podcast, we have Molly Gary. And Molly is Monica's daughter and Michael's sister. And today we're going to talk about Molly's story and growing up and being a sibling to an amazing human who's on the spectrum and what that looked like. So Molly, why don't you say hi first? Hello. Well, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We've been talking about this episode for months and months and months. So Well, I've been thinking about it for months, so good. (laughs) (laughs) This is a culmination of so many things we're excited about. Um, We have Brittany on today. Hello, hello. I did not introduce myself. I'm Shannon. You probably know that because I'm terrible at Mm -hmm. introducing myself. And then we also- She really is, but it's okay. I am. It's true. Um, We also have (laughs) my eldest child, Maya, on the podcast today. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Maya's nervous, um, but we thought it would be fun to have Maya on also just as a sibling um, and figured her and Molly would probably have some things in common that would make for a great conversation um, for those of you who have siblings. So um, Molly, we, well, we want to know everything. You guys, we just learned that Molly actually illustrated cups for Starbucks at some point. So she (laughs) is a uh, celebrity in my eyes. Um, But Molly, why don't you tell us, tell us about yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and what it was like growing up with Michael. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a big one. Okay. Well, my name is Molly Gary. I am a mom to three kids. So I have a 15 year old son, a 12-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old daughter, so we are very busy. I uh, I am a professional artist and illustrator, so I spend my days in my studio, which you can see a little bit of behind me, and I, I absolutely love it. But by trade, I am a clinical social worker, so I have my master's in social work, graduated with um, political science and Spanish double major, and don't use any of it today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Isn't that funny how that it works really sometimes? really <laughs> just, yeah. Um, but I think in everything I do, I am mindful of, you know, just uh, at mindfulness. I, I think that's, I love art therapy and I mean, it all kind of, there is a full circle in there somewhere. So, but yes, I, 
I'm also a softball coach, so I grew up playing softball, and I have lots of little mini passions that keep me going. What don't you do, Molly? Uh, <laughs> and I'm a sister to my brother, and I've been guardian, actually, of him for the last, or, or at least half, uh, yeah, half guardian of him, with, of him for the last 15 years. So it's been all of my adulthood that I've had to share responsibility of decision-making for him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that's so big. I know um, I obviously can't speak from a sibling point of view because I have not been, you know, a sibling um, to someone who's on the spectrum. But um, I can speak from a mom point of view and I can say that that is one of the things that is most emotional for me. Um, it's one of my biggest worries. I get choked up just thinking about it <laughs> because. I think a lot about um, the gravity of what that looks like for you guys. Um, and I think that you you probably share some of that same feeling because you've been a guardian for so long. And that is that, you know, we worry so much already about what happens to our kids if something should happen to us. And then we're lucky enough, some of us, to have amazing children um, who will step in and assume that role. But there is a lot of guilt and emotion that goes behind that. Um, so I but, would love to know. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I think as a as a sibling, you don't know anything different. You know, you mm-hmm. were raised and you know what it's maybe like, and I don't know your back but what it's like to have a neurotypical sibling where you have a different dynamic in relationship with them. Um, but I've never known any different, you know, I've always known that Mm -hmm. responsibility and I actually didn't want kids because I knew my responsibility was to my brother. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's changed. And luckily I have a husband who is, I mean, in every decision we make, it's, you know, how does this impact our kids? How does Michael play into this? We're buying a house. Uh, you know, can we build an ADU for him? Is there, mm-hmm. you know, long-term, he fa- he's factored into everything in a very equal way. So my husband's been just absolutely phenomenal with that and making me feel like this is no burden. This is, this is a blessing that we're able to do this for him. Oh my gosh, I'm all choked up. So I know I'm already crying too. So we're, uh, we're good. <laughs> I think that, you know, you weed out partners just also based on, um, just your needs, which I will say it was, uh, you know, Michael had some pretty big behaviors and you you find out who's willing to take that on really quickly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so true. I think that just in life and friends too, right? Like you, you start to see the friends who sort of slip by the wayside and those are those who are there anyway, even when things get, you know, really, really tough. So I think it's amazing that you have, a life partner who's willing to just take this on. And I think one of the most profound things that you said when you said that is that he doesn't make it seem like a burden. No. And that's huge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. uh, Yeah. I I think it's hard to trust people. I mean, when Mm -hmm. you have a vulnerable person who is so, um, vulnerable. I mean, and so Mm -hmm. someone step in and be like, Oh no, they're, 
they're my family. Like this is this is this is our life, and this is really cool that we get to be a part of his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Were you going to say something, Brittany? I think, <laughs> I think it's yes. I yes, I was. Yes, thank you. I was. I just think it's very interesting. Um, as a parent, I do not have siblings um, with autism or special needs either. I do have two younger brothers, and so your your relationship, even regardless of neurodiversity, um, your relationship with your siblings changes as you grow older, right? Um, I'm the oldest in my family, and I have two younger brothers. Um, one is closer to my age, and one is significantly younger than me. And so, when my youngest sibling was born, it was more of, I mean, he was always my sibling, um, but it was more of a a mommy role. You know, I was kind of a second mama for quite some time. I was a teenager when he was born. And then as we've grown older, he's now um, entering his thirties. I am past my thirties, but uh, it's more of a sibling relationship now. Um, Whereas maybe, maybe with you, uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, I think you guys were very close in age, you and Michael, you grew up together. And now it almost seems as if you're more of a parental figure to him as far as like making those decisions for him and, and including him in your life. Um, but, but, but being able to be more of maybe a, a second mama, um, well, speak yeah, on that. I think know. actually I've always been a second mom to him because, you know, a parent's divorce at a very young age. And so as we all know, mm-hmm. parenting is, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. And so I was my mom's team and, you know, I could diffuse the situation with my brother better than anybody could. I would come back from college to be his care provider because I knew that he needed the supports that would be, you know, most caring and intuitive to his needs. And so I was absolutely on board with coming back and, and playing that role. Um, yeah, I've always taken that role of like, you know, I could read my mom too, where I knew when she was like, oh, I need to tap out and poof, I'd slip right in. So you really quickly figure out how to read people, which is probably why I wanted to be a social worker. <laughs> you know, I like to be, I, I felt that was an intuitive thing for me. I could, I could read people. I can understand body language. I mean, there's, which is not always a great thing to have, you know, <laughs> you don't always want to know what people <laughs> are feeling or thinking, but um. Yeah, I. So I think I was just thinking about um, as a sibling, though, with dynamics with friends. I remember, um, you know, playing this big role as a parent and helping my brother get ready for school or you know whatever it was, and then going to school and not being able to relate to my peers because they were all watching Nano Tuno Nano Tuno at night, and we Ooh, were yeah. watching Barney because that's what made my brother feel the best. And that's what made our house happy. And I think that was one of the, looking back was probably one of the biggest struggles for me personally, was I had a hard time relating to my peers because I was like, I didn't realize this. I'm dealing with real big stuff at home. And you guys are talking about who Dylan kissed and that does not matter to me. And I don't know how to relate to you. So, uh, I think that like, if I could go back and help my little eight-year-old self, it would have probably been you know, how to socialize and how to de, you know, like unpack that at home, you know, what are, where are you, what are you going through? Because I mean, to be quite frank, my brother had some maladaptive behaviors that would, you know, leave me bruised. And that was, that was hard. That was to go to school and not be able to talk about what I was experiencing 
and then just just felt big. Like a lot of life felt really big. And I can imagine that while going through all of that, the last thing that you wanted to do was talk to your mom about it because you were probably so worried about all of the things that she already had on her plate. Absolutely. Uh, She was fried. I mean, I cannot imagine being a single mom of a child with profound needs. Like she needed me to figure it out. And as a mom, I recognize that, you know, like I can appreciate being like, I need you to figure this out right now. I am maxed out. And she, she wasn't able to quite say that, but I knew that I couldn't go to her necessarily with my frivolous problems because she was dealing with big giant problems, you know, how to make, how to make rent and how to make sure Michael didn't kick the school bus driver again and break his ribs. I mean, those were big problems that we were facing. Not me, like not having someone to sit with at lunch. It seemed very small. I mean, for a kid, it's huge, but mm-hmm. in the you know, yeah. scope of it all, like she was like, whoa, life's coming at me hard and fast. And I had to be your partner. I felt like a partner in a lot of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm curious, Maya, does any of this resonate with you? Do you feel like, do you feel that disconnection with some of your peers if you feel comfortable sharing? Um, you, know? you know, there's definitely times, especially when you're in high school, there's a lot of people that don't understand it. And I think a lot of the time people tend to make jokes and laugh about the things that they don't understand. And luckily I've been, I've been really lucky enough to have people around me that I've been really open about my sister and I've been open about um, who she is. And if like people do say things, I will say something, but I'm lucky enough to have friends that will understand and they'll be there for me if something does ever happen with Gracie, because, and here's the thing is I'm never the type of person to say, oh, Gracie was being so like loud today or annoying. Like when I first meet people and I tell them about, you know, my family as like kind of an introduction thing. And I say, this is my baby sister. It's like, isn't she so beautiful? It's like, she's actually autistic and she's really, really smart and all of these things. And so I've never really been the type to be scared of that. And I think because of that, I am better with people just in general, not even people like Gracie, right? But um, how old is Gracie? Unfortunately, Gracie's eight and a half. Okay. I'm almost 10 years older than her, which Mm -hmm. is scary to think about. But um, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of people that don't understand it in high school. And so I just, I do think it takes someone with, you know, maybe a background like ours to say something too, is like, hey, this is maybe not the right way to like come like talk about this right like there's still people too in mm-hmm. fact they're probably smarter than most of you so <laughs> chill out <laughs> well you have you have a upper hand in that because i at that age uh, it took me a long time to figure out how to stand up to people in a way that was constructive and not defensive mm-hmm. so that's that's really awesome yeah. But I did have a lot yeah. of people around me, especially at school, that were always like, hey, I saw your brother in the halls. And it was just, it felt very protective. So I, I think that the more we talk about our siblings, I mean, exposure is half the battle. I used to feel like I had to hide him and that would protect him. But now I'm realizing, oh, I need to talk about you. So other people know, like, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, can be. I think that's a big shift when, when it, you go, I mean, you're, it, I don't know. There could be uh, 
ashamed or embarrassment too. That's perfectly natural. But when you go from that protection from that, like, I need to, you know, protect or hide um, just, just for their safety or their feelings to, okay, I'm going to share this piece with you. I'm going to be vulnerable with you and I'm going to, to, to reach out. And then you, I'm sure Maya and Molly have you, like you both said, you learn real, real quick who's willing to hang Mm -hmm. and who you need to say goodbye to. Um, And that goes as a parent or a sibling, I think, um, because there's a lot of people who just aren't ready. will will be kind and say they're just not ready yet um, to, to take this on. Um, And those who are, we really cherish those people in our lives. Um, whether that's your friend or, you know, a, a parent's friend. Um, but yeah, I, my boys have come home from school um, very upset a few times because of things that their supposed friends have said, not about their own siblings, but um, but about others in the school maybe who are um, in a special needs program or something. And, and they've learned, it's been inter- very fascinating to learn and see how they have responded to those things. Um, you know, and I'm not expecting my kids to be perfect. I'm sure you guys aren't either. No one is. Um, but as they've learned and grow, they've become better at it. It's a muscle. It's something you need to kind of learn how, how to navigate. And, um, one of my favorite things that Tyler said when he was quite young, you know, introducing his brother, Austin, who's only 13 months older than him, 14 months older, he would say, this is Austin. He has a lot of autism. <laughs> That's how he would explain it. I kind of like and that. And then he'd say, okay. Yeah. And this, this is my sister, Ruby. She just has a little bit of autism, <laughs> you know? And that's, that was, that was a, that was a way that he could understand it at his age. Now he's older, he's 15. It's, he can be a little sure. bit more expressive mm-hmm. about it. But I just thought that, you know, you, they need to, you need to meet them, these kids where they are too, and explaining how, how it all works. It's I'm very glad you said that because someone once told me, you know, people ask about my brother and his autism. And while we don't use the term Asperger's anymore, it does paint a picture. And people would ask, you know, where is he on the spectrum? And it's not so much where they are on the spectrum. It's how we experience their experiences, right? So, you know, how, yeah, Interactions, how much support yeah. are we providing? And I think that's the real question is how much support do they need in certain settings and things like that. So, I, I mean, I can understand that as a kid being like, okay, he needs a lot of my help, whereas my other sister may not. So yeah, it's interesting. Right. I like that way of describing yeah. it instead of, you know, the other terms that we have, oh, you know, gosh. to describe autism yeah. and the levels and that sort of thing. I do. I like that. And I relate a lot to what you were saying about your mom and not wanting to burden her with things. And I know you see Maya's face right now. Um, I know that that's something that you struggle with because mm-hmm. I can like I can see it. So if I can see it, I can only imagine like how often it happens. Right. Because sometimes we're just so wrapped up. We're oblivious. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not oblivious, <laughs> clearly it's happening. And like prime example, she texted me two days ago and she's like, mom, we have to order my cap and gown. Like we have to order it by Thanksgiving. And I'm like, yeah, we talked about that three months ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and her knowing, like, I guarantee it's probably popped up in her mind four times since the first time we talked about it. But you just coming to me the other day because we're like, you know, a week out. <laughs> and the thing is, like, it. how fast did I do it? Like right away. <laughs> 30 seconds. And I'm like, here's your order confirmation. But it's something that is that simple, right? Um, I would forge so my long. mom's name so I wouldn't have to 
bring her forms. I learned real quick how to do her very ornate signature because I knew she was fine if what I was, you know, reading whatever in English. I didn't want to bother her with a form. It was not something I needed to bring to her. So I would take care of it on my end. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I get that. Do you think, Molly, are you, this is a really loaded question. You can unpack this as much as you want. Um, do you feel that you have a, a better relationship with your mom or a closer relationship with your mom because of the way that you grew up? Or, I mean, ha- was there ever resentment? Was there ever um, frustration with that? Or have you always been able to talk that through with her as you've gotten older? You know, maybe you've been able to to feel like you guys are a, a little bit more on the same, I guess, playing level, you know, as adults. Uh, yes. I think um, we have a good relationship first and foremost. I mean, we're able, we have to, yeah. we have to figure it out together. Um, but I do think it's a tricky dynamic because I am a mama bear and I don't want my neighbor just for sake making decisions about my children. And so when I have big opinions about maybe something we're going to do with Michael, that feels probably really yucky. I wouldn't want my daughter or my kids being involved in their siblings care, right? Like I'm the mom, I'm the one that's gone through all of this and, um, I think, I think that's tricky and it's gotten better. It's gotten so much better to where now, you know, especially being able to identify, Ooh, I don't feel good about this or why, you know, like my experiences are different than hers. You know, why do I feel differently? So I think we've had to work through a lot of that, but we have, you know, we have, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess, okay. So Maya answer as much as you feel comfortable as well, but (laughs) What would you say as you're entering this new stage of life? Maya's a senior in high school. She'll be graduating (laughs) in the spring. And you're going away to college. Yeah. Not too far. No. Thanks to your mother's relief. (laughs) But you are moving away. Um, What do you think about that in your relationship to Gracie and leaving your family? What, what are you struggling with? What are you excited about with that? And then after Maya answers, Molly, Emma, you went away to college as well. I'd love to hear your experience about moving away for the first time. Um, and hold on, I'm going to make one interruption. And that is just very brief to remind you that it's okay to be honest. So don't feel like you need to yes, sugarcoat. Please. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think always for my mom and I's situation, I guarantee you guys have heard this. I mean, it was my mom and I just ourselves for the longest time. So well, I for six years, that's, that's a big chunk of my life. Okay. Like I'm only 18. It's like, what? Only 18, only 17. But, um, you know, but that was always a big part of my life is just being my mom and I, and then obviously my stepdad came and then Gracie, right. Um, so it's always been a lot of my mom and I kind of against the world. And I do think I've, I'm definitely one of those kids that would struggle when I'm away from her. And I still do, which is kind of an issue at 17, right? But we're figuring it out slowly. <laughs> we're <laughs> Very normal, normal stuff. You're good. But, um, you know, I, I had actually been considering NAU for the longest time. And um, along, you know, my only choice wasn't because of the weather, because it's freaking cold there right but um you know one of my biggest worries was actually leaving my mom as much as she hates mm-hmm. me saying that she was like no don't be the one to don't make me the reason that you stay here and it's just like 
But it's hard though, because, you know, that's something that has been my whole life for the longest time. And so has Gracie, because I do feel like I was lucky enough to be raised by my mom who has shown me like so much compassion and so much empathy and she's just always been there for me that I've been able to learn that and then hopefully you know I've been told that I have some of the same characteristics and I'm just hoping that you know once I probably do get Gracie right I just hope <laughs> that I can be the same to her and I just don't want to leave them I don't want to leave them yeah. with <laughs> that what what? I really hope my kids no, no. talk about me that way. <laughs> oh. <Well done. laughs> um, but, you know, since I have decided that I'm going to the U of A and I'm going to stay close, um, I didn't want to be too far away from them just because, you know, leaving them is, is a lot. And if, you know, anything ever happens, I know that other than my mom and my dad, like I am the next best option for Gracie and I am I've never been more comfortable with anything in my entire life because like I love her so so much like there is nothing I probably love more than my baby sister and it's definitely one of the reasons I had to stay close to home and I don't regret it at all and I don't think I ever will so there's really no I don't want my mom to ever feel guilt that I have to stay but because it was my choice you know it's something that I right. had to do. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to move away even for a short amount of time. I mean, things can change, yeah. but right now this is what feels right for you. And I know this has been something you guys have been talking about and working on for a long time. Um, but, you know, we've been talking about it, you know, amongst us, us girls. Um, Shannon's been filling us in and I have seen I have seen you and Gracie together, Maya, in person. I've, I've had the privilege of being in your home and seeing you guys interact. And it is a really special relationship. And the fact that you want to continue that and that you are prepared and ready to take care of her whenever, even now, um, is, is commendable. So, Molly, talk a little bit about your experience moving away from the first time and that change and the dynamic of that with your mom and yeah, I'm still, I'm still just replaying what you said in my head because it was just we're yeah, like, I'm yes, just a minute here. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I see it also very close. I, for that reason, I think there's just this underlying knowledge that I needed to be accessible to my brother and I made myself accessible for all four years. I mean, I came back and I was a care provider for him. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard transition to, and I actually felt a void, a huge void when I went to college because I had such a big role at home that when I went to college and I was alone in my dorm room, I had, like, I felt, and looking back on it, I, I didn't have the same purpose. And, you know, our, our siblings and our children, they give us a lot of purpose. And I lacked that purpose that first year. And I really struggled, like, understanding that feeling, you know, I'm 18 years old. I don't know what I'm experiencing. Am I lonely? Am I depressed? I'm like, you know, but, uh, it was, it was, I was lacking that purpose. And I, I think I've always, you know, sought that just, it, it was, I think it's a natural need now for us siblings that we understand there's so many big needs in this world. And, you know, we have the capability of fulfilling so many of those roles. So, yeah. I think it's ingrained in you from, you yes. know, from the very, very beginning. Well said, yeah. Right. I mean, as a parent, I feel that too. Um, you know, I hold that baby in my arms and at that diagnosis, something shifts mm -hmm. 
in you. And, and it's, it's something that you, you work through a grief cycle or a cycle of acceptance. And then you realize, no, this is, this is my life now. And, and, um, I accept it and it's not going to be easy, but when you don't have it there, if you move away or have, have a significant amount of time away from them, it does feel significantly different. It is, yeah. yes. Perspective, perspective changes. And mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know, and of course, I, I would never ask for you to speak for your mother, but for your, your perspective, um, I've had a multitude of emotions <laughs> about my leaving. Um, and we're lucky enough, you know, the U of A is 20, 25 minutes from our house. Like she's going to live in the dorms, but she's, she's going to be very close by. So, I mean, I'm blessed enough for that. Um, but I also have this piece of me that is like, selfishly I want Maya home all the time always just because I love her like I just you know I feel like Maya and I I was 23 like 22 actually when I had her I turned 23 very shortly after so I feel like we've just been like buddies and we've grown up together because at 22 you have literally no idea what life is you know and um so selfishly, like I just want her <laughs> everywhere. Um, I guys, I took her to Bunko last night. I know it was so <laughs> much fun. I've never had so much fun in my life. Oh, oh my and God. like I, I just love having her around. But there's another side of me that, like, I want her to go, and I want her to live in a dorm room, and I want her to be 18, and I want her to not feel like she has to be a parent partner for her sister for the first time in her life, and I want her to, you know just learn her independence and learn life without being a caretaker, you know, because I do know that down the road at some point, like as much as I'd love to live to, you know, 150, (laughs) it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, So I'd be interested to know kind of that dynamic. How did your mom feel, you know, when you went to college or how did she tell you? (laughs) You know, I don't think she, I mean, she was obviously very distraught about it. Um, I think she was really, I think, well, I'm going to project here because as a parent, this is how I would feel maybe. Um, I think she was really excited for me to go and be independent for once. Um, yeah, she just really wanted me to go because we want that for you guys too. We want you to experience the world and, and yeah. And see all of that. And you did. And and look at you now. Yeah. I mean, you have this beautiful family and this wonderful career and all these all these amazing things. And you're still a part of Michael's yes. life. It's, it's just it's just amazing. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about that transition to become a, a co guardian? Uh, for Michael and how, I mean, you don't have to get into like the nitty gritty logistics, but like, how did you guys come to that decision? And then um, what does that look like for you now? And then what are maybe your plans with you and your mom in the future? Uh, So how it came about was it was court court appointed without going into it. Um, But it was a guardian mad item that said, Hey, we're at this, you know, at this point, who's, you know, if it wasn't your mom or your dad, uh, who would be the best person? Just like Maya said earlier, if it wasn't you or her dad, I'm the next first person. And I was like, you know, 25 years old. And I was like, I got this. Sure. Absolutely. 
Oh, oh, the optimism of the 20s. Yes, I had a brand new baby and I was like, I can do anything, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> but I honestly would never, ever allow Michael to be in the hands of someone that wasn't my parents or myself. I was like, absolutely not. I will literally, you know, I will drop everything to be there for him. And um, yeah, so at that point, I mean, I always had a very good working relationship with my parents. I have unfortunately been a mediator. I mean, as one does when they have divorced parents and I was the only one that could communicate between the two of us. So I was that, you know, awkward third wheel of the communication. So I'd done it my whole life and it was... It was no different. And right after, though, I will say I did move away to Florida. I think my husband did recognize I needed to be involved, but I also needed a little bit of space to um, be a mom and to be a wife and be um, not just Michael's care provider, even if it was just for a moment. And we knew it was very temporary. And we live back in Washington now. And I, I, I think that 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 space is really necessary to figure out who you are and, you know, um, mm-hmm separate from your nuclear family, just who, uh, yeah, just figuring out your own personality. And that space and that amount of time or that need is very different depending on a lot of dynamics, not even just special needs. Absolutely. But for you, that was the right choice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the wrong choice. I can look back and say, you know, nobody had (laughs) anything detrimental happen because of that. But yeah, I had never left. I had never, well, I take that back. I studied abroad. I knew I had these, I, uh, like the one thing that I, when you sent me the questionnaire, just like, Hey, things we can talk about. Uh, the one thing is grad school that I, uh, there is a term for it, but I'm just going to call it survivor's guilt for the sake of simplicity. Cause I can't remember the actual term, but there is this Mm -hmm. element as a, um, sibling that I felt guilty for going and having these experiences that I knew my brother couldn't have. And that's still like, you know, I mean, it's perspective, but it's hard to know, like you want to be there for them, but you know, there's experiences you have to have for your life too. So, um, yeah, I think that that weighs me down a lot thinking of what, um, what more can I do for his life to give him the best experiences while maintaining, you know, my family and getting all my kids to practice. And, you know, it's just, it's a dynamic that not everyone has that gets to experience, I suppose. So yeah, Yeah. I don't know where I just ended up here, but I don't know what the question was. (laughs) No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get you back. Before we reroute in. Yeah. We'll tie it in. Before we reroute. Yeah. Um, I know. I think that's yeah, go ahead, really interesting because that's one thing I hadn't considered is the guilt of experiencing things that they cannot experience. Like that is not one thing that I considered. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up because that that's going to open my brain to another way of thinking. I think that with Maya, we have always tried to be, be like very open in like I'm trying to, I mean, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm going to make somebody mad probably, but like, (laughs) that's just the world today. Right. So work through it, Shannon. I'm working through it. Shannon wants to keep everybody Um, happy. (laughs) You know, we want her to be able to have the feelings that she's feeling and we want her to know that it's okay to voice the feelings that she's feeling because I don't, I don't want her to feel guilty about feeling away. Right. Like 
this is a big life that she's taking on, that she took on at nine years old. This is a big, big life, you know, and it's not getting any easier as things progress and time goes by. Um, And so, like, it hurts my heart a little bit. I understand it. It hurts my heart to hear that you do have that guilt associated with that. And it's just because, like, Nobody on the outside would ever feel that you needed to feel guilty about experiencing your own things and, you know, taking that time for yourself. And I think part of wanting her to go to college and to live on her own is, for lack of better words, I feel like you you get played second in this life because there's always priorities and needs that come first, like every single day. And, um, I want her, and I imagine your mom probably felt the same way, like, I want her to go to college, and I want her to feel like she's priority number one, and what she wants matters, too, and to realize that you may feel upset or sad or guilty about that, but also to understand that you don't need to feel that way. Like, it's okay to feel however you're feeling, but, like, I don't harbor any frustration, or I, you know... I am not upset of you wanting to be able to go and do that. It's just so complex. It is. Like there's so many feelings and the, just the intricacies of it all are just, my brain hurts. I know. I feel guilty about using the word guilt because there's no, (laughs) um, it's not, you know, I, you're right. I feel like I need to be careful with what I say because it's not something that, I want to change my brother for any reason. And people have always, you know, like, that's not it at all. It's just that if I'm not there enhancing his life, maybe nobody is. Or, you know, whatever it is, or if I'm not there to support him. Because you know he needs that support. Yeah. Yes, in that role that I played. And actually he, I, I should probably touch on this too, he would get frustrated with me when I would come home. And, you know, behaviors communication, he was communicating, where have you been? You literally packed your bags and you left and didn't understand the concept of like, this is a different phase of life. Like I am going to college, you know, to him that I just left. I just left. And uh, that I can't imagine how that would feel for him not understanding why I left. And he would get frustrated with me when I would come home and, um, I, there was no way to articulate exactly what was happening in life that he would really be able to understand. Um, but yeah, I do. He would get really, really frustrated. And I mean, we have a great relationship now to where I can um, interact with him and I would probably still be fourth on the list of, you know, best people to, you know, take him anywhere. But uh, I used to probably be first, you know, that was, that was my role. If I, if he had to go somewhere, he was in my car. And now he might be like, ooh, we don't have that same bond as we did when we shared a hallway. You know, there's, mm-hmm. it is different. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, even as I was thinking about this conversation and you, Maya, I was thinking nobody uh, showed me the mountain before I had to climb it. So don't feel, you know, I hope that this doesn't feel like a mountain that you have to climb. I hope this looks like resources that people have gone on this journey before. So you don't have to climb the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you worry? Or maybe don't have to climb it alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you worry yeah. about what that yeah. looks like when you leave? Like, have you had thoughts about what that feels like? My only thing is, is like, I mean, for Gracie, it's like, you're always number one, which oh. is something I can understand. You me? Are. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, so part of me was almost like, oh, I don't, I don't know if she'll even realize like that I'm gone. I mean, I don't really know sometimes because sometimes it's just so clear and it's like she wants me. But then it's like I almost feel guilty because I'm am I not enough for her to realize that I'm gone? Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. I, it's It can go either it's way. It's funny yeah. from different perspectives, right? Because for me, like, I'm, I mean, Gracie, I'm number one. Like, she just, you know, and that's good and bad. I'm number one for the bad, <laughs> too. So it's not just the good. But, yeah. um, but Gracie only plays a certain way with Maya. Gracie only... Like, there's just certain things that, like, Maya is her preferred person, or you only get a certain piece of Gracie when it's Maya, you know? And so it's funny that you think that, because, like, I think she is going to notice that you're gone. But, I mean, I mean, it's terrible, right? Because I want to look at her and I want to say, but don't feel bad because this is something you need to do. But, like, of course. Well, every... <laughs> Every sibling is going to miss their older sibling when they leave the house for college, neurotypical or neurodiverse. I mean, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a dynamic. There's going to be missing. There's going to be longing. You know, it. it that's part of life. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, but there's an added layer when maybe they can't communicate those feelings and thoughts um, and with their sibling or with their parent and understand fully what that they'll come back and know that she'll be back for this weekend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Social stories yeah, were really super important during that time. Like when I was coming back, but it'll be interesting for you to mm -hmm. see too, you know, when you come home, is crazy standoffish? Does she ignore you? Does she, you know, want your attention, whatever it is. I mean, those are all ways of her communicating and it may be unexpected. I always find that Michael is, yeah, like surprises me all the time. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting to see his new ways of communicating. I mean, he'll use movie lines and, you know, it was funny growing up. He would, he loved Wizard of Oz. And so we knew he was upset when he would say, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. And we're like, Oh, he's mad because he knew from that uh -huh. <laughs> movie, he, that witch was expressing anger. And so when he says that he's expressing anger. So, um, yeah, there's yeah. just new ways that he communicates all the time. So it's definitely that way. I had my oldest went away to college and then came home. He's he's now going to start going to school um, here locally, and uh, there's a shift. It, it, you have to readjust again. You know, even just being physically in the space with things <laughs> and laundry and chore dynamics of who's doing what again or whatever it does change and and they they are allowed you know Gracie and Michael and everyone they're allowed to have an adjustment period just like anybody else so yeah something to keep in mind Molly speak a little bit about um what you guys what your current dynamic is with you and your mom and Michael and what you guys are thinking about um I, I know mo um, your mom has touched a little bit about it about what the future looks like for you yeah. guys actually I was just reading about this this morning because sometimes I'm not used to resources existing for people that have gone through what I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, the first that's been, you know, 
documented because we have Google now, but um, (laughs) we have to start thinking about the future without my parents being available. You know, my mom sees him a lot. My dad sees him a lot, Uh, but I will live longer than they will statistically speaking. And so uh, how does that look? There you go. Yep. (laughs) I I don't want to be like morbid here, but like, how does it look for? No, no, let's. Yeah. Hard facts. Hard facts is right. Um, So I approached it with my mom and I was like, look, we're going to, I won't be moving back to Vancouver where he lives, um, but I will need access, really easy access to him. So how does this transition look? Because um, he needs to live closer to me. So, you know, my husband and I are talking about those dynamics. I mean, even where we're living in proximity to another home and all those things. I mean, it's already, it's a five-year plan, right? Like how does this look now? How do we set those things in motion now to that, so that transition can happen? So ideally he would live up here by me, but that's going to take a lot of time. I mean, and I'm glad that we're starting that now because this is something that we have to work with my mom and my dad. And I have two stepdads. Like I have a, I have a very, unique family. So everyone's got to be on board and getting everyone there is a process. And so we're working on that process yeah. now of him living up here eventually. So get there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know your mom has talked a little bit about that with us too. And, and um, she's on board and working with you and finding out yeah. not only what's best for Michael because he's a part of it, but, but you're a part of it and she's a part of it. And, yeah. you know, everybody's, everybody needs to have their, um, their comfort level. It's not going to be perfect, but, but we need to get everybody on board. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I do find that I've always, this, I'm like, I, I don't like the attention on me. Like I, you've talked about before, like I'm not the priority, but I've always been a people pleaser. So my parents do recognize the efforts that I'm putting in and have been more than flexible lately, making sure that like, okay, well, it's not about me, but this is something I need. I know I won't be moving to Vancouver. So how do we make it so we can fit it into my life? And that's hard for Michael. I mean, he's lived in this same city, you know, practically from day one. So, but then again, like we're his biggest, um, community, like we are his, you know, I even think about how my children play a part in his life and how that's going to be not only impacted, but how they're going to enhance his life. What are their roles? You know, are, are they going to be care providers? Are they going to, um, help with delivering groceries now that my son is going to about to drive, you know, like all those things are now in my head. Like how are they going to be able to serve in in a sense, but also be able to be part of his life that he doesn't have necessarily right now. How can we enhance this? I mean, there's all these things and variables that we get to kind of daydream about too. So I think there's so much good that can happen in these big life transitions. It doesn't always have to be scary or bad for anyone. So it's been about reframing lately. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you are touching on the good parts of it too. It, it is going to be difficult. These, these big life changes, whether that's someone moving away or relocating um, a person, you know, to be near their family or changing services, you know, all those kinds of things are, they're big changes and they take, they take time. 
but there, there are really good things that can happen of it too. I'm, I love the idea of your kids being more involved in Me his too. life and being able to, I think that's, that sounds, I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear how that looks. We'll have to check in Me with too. you once he eventually does yeah. move up. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I think so, so. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, do you have anything in particular, anything else that we haven't covered that you want to chat with Maya and Molly about? Well, I feel like I could just sit here for, you know, eight hours know. straight. Like we're having a beautiful therapy because session. I know. Sorry, yeah. guys. This I is, feel really bad. I've cried so much, but uh, no. No, no, no. Things. <laughs> it's okay. I've become the crier of the podcast suddenly, and I it's very strange, and I don't know why, because it's not like me. So I turned 40, and all I do is cry now. I don't know. Um, I think... <laughs> I would like to know two things from you, and that is, you know, for if you were, and we can just use Maya as an example because she's here, but mm. like from someone who's experienced this and is now an adult and is now looking at the life that you have, like, do you have any just words of wisdom or thoughts for siblings for you know these kids who are a little bit younger than you who are getting ready to go into the life that you know that you have now yeah i i wish i had a network you know i i love the idea of being available to siblings who are just now starting this process because um it's those are emotions that are unique Right. You know, we as, you know, as three adults, we are already looking at perhaps helping our parents in what their next transitions are going to be. So it's an added element of with that transition comes a bigger transition for the siblings. Um, So honestly, it's reaching up to those who have already scaled that mountain and I'm still on it, but I'm glad I didn't know how big the mountain was going to be. And I think it was different for me because I didn't have the resources and I've had the um, privilege of being able to speak at conferences about Michael in this. And I probably cried just as much as I did today because it is such mm-hmm. an emotional, emotionally charged thing because just like your own child, like this person is a part of you and I mean, you wouldn't change it, but it's also, it, I mean, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot with, with it all. Um, and I forgot already what the question was. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes. Reach out to your, reach out to people that have been there. I mean, I think I also became a social worker for one element because I wanted to understand, you know, the mental health aspect of maybe even what I was experiencing. I've been to therapy, but I was, you know, I really wanted to understand more. And the other element was I needed to know the inner workings of the system because I want to be able to walk into a room and have credentials that showed that I knew what I was talking about. And I knew to advocate for my brother. I wanted those little three letters to say, maybe I knew what I was talking about. Now that's not true at all. But in my 22 year old mind, that was my first step into figuring out how to navigate the system that I knew Michael had to be able to understand. Not him, but like our family. And my mom understands it like the back of her hand. I mean, I'll say something. She's like, oh yeah, ask this person. And she's like this huge wealth of knowledge. I mean, she has so much information in her head. But if I don't have her around, I need to be able to look and figure out how I'm going to access resources for Michael for whatever service he needs. Um, so that was that was why. I mean, I really wanted to be able to to know and figure it out. So, but there are people that, like my mom, have already done the legwork, and you want to just soak up everything that they've experienced because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
don't reinvent the wheel. Go find go find a wheel maker because someone's out there that knows that knows it. So that'd be my biggest thing. Yeah. I love that. There's so many um, resources available, whether that's online, there's sibling workshops, there's my, my boys have participated in a couple. Um, there's counseling services, there's, yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that you can gain that knowledge about, yeah, services for, for Gracie or Michael, um, or just reaching out to other people, maybe at their schools or, you know, teachers or whatever, like use those people, like as a parent, we, we talk about that a lot you know, look around you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. But also as a sibling, like there's, there are other siblings out there who have, you know, um, brothers and sisters with, with autism. They're there and you can find (laughs) them now. It's not like, it's not just the phone book anymore. Like there's ways to find each other. So look for those. Unless you're a mom like me and you don't let your daughter on social media, but she's going to be well, so she'll be able to find people. That's true. I was, but with with supervised social media activity, right? I was going to say that's, it goes back to like the pros and cons, right? There's so many cons of social media, but there's also so many pros. It's a huge benefit. networking. It is good to see people, you know, doing and, thriving in this world that you have, you know, commonalities with my biggest thing for, you know, when someone talks about siblings is you always want to meet them where they are. And Michael's form of communication has always been drawing. So it's kind of funny that I'm an artist to to be quite honest. I mean, there's probably a reason why that's where I gravitated, but uh, you know, that's where we always meet, you know, no matter no matter what, he he won't necessarily come to you know the games that I'm coaching, but I will meet him, and that's where we can always meet at a table with a notebook and a pen. Like that is where we communicate. You know, if it's nuns and they have smiley faces, okay, well that's a good that's a good trajectory. We're doing good. Now, if it's witches that are angry, okay, well maybe we got some things to work through. Mm-hmm. So and that's how we communicate, and that's how um, that's where we meet. And I've always really press, you know, like whatever their love language is, you know, I've had people be like, well, my kids, like, just all they want to do is play video games. Great. Meet them there, play video games, you know, wherever they are meeting, you meet them there because they're, that's where you're going to communicate with them. So yeah. And you can go from there. It's the, that's just the start. Absolutely. That's just the beginning. Yeah. And then you take yeah. it from there. And if they places. can trust that you will meet them that. there, well, maybe they can trust that you can take them to Red Robin. You know, that mm-hmm. trust is really built on itself. You know, right now, Michael and I are still going to be in the kitchen drawing. Um, you know, the more that we're, you know, have that foundation, the more we he'll trust me again to take him somewhere that he feels more uncomfortable. Right. So mm-hmm. that's just, you have to always meet them where they are and it's going to regress. You're going to leave. And that trust is going to kind of un, unexpectedly per maybe go away a little bit because right. you're not around to like continuously establish that relationship. So it is a lot of building and a lot of rebuilding. And I I've recognized that like, I will continuously be building my relationship with him in different ways, but I will always meet him where he is. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank I you. I know. I love that too. And then I have one more question and that would be um, just again, as a sibling in your viewpoint, like, do you have any final thoughts just for all of us parents who mm. just do feel all the guilt and the weight of the world, you know, and um, I know. And well, and I say that not as like, 
feeling guilty that, like, if I had to pick my biggest source of guilt, I'm I'm spiraling here. If I had to pick my biggest source of guilt, um, I think it would be that for the last eight and a half years, like everything that Gracie needed had to come first 95% of the time. Right. And that things have been pushed to the back burner. And I mean, obviously, like she's here. She has what she needs. She's wonderful. Right. Like she's still around, but (laughs) there is still a lot of guilt that surrounds that. So just if you can kind of speak to that to the parents, um, not necessarily to like make us feel better, but like just as somebody who's, you know, experiencing. I I think that 95% of motherhood is just guilt. <laughs> I mean, I feel it too. Um, but yeah, I think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually ask you a question in return. Do you feel like there are things you wanted to experience with Maya that you didn't get to because you were um, meeting the needs of Gracie? Are there experiences Absolutely. that you wanted with her that maybe you weren't able to get because you weren't able to be at the events or you weren't able to be available. Yeah, absolutely. hundred. I mean, I think that oh, all the time. Yeah. I think that we've done a lot, you know, with the help of family members to try to make sure that we're present at as many things as we possibly can. But sure. like, were there away track meets that like I a hundred percent would have wanted to be at, but it just wasn't a possibility, okay. you know, or things like that a hundred percent. Like, do I wish that, Maybe we had, you know, people, autism is expensive. Like (laughs) autism is so expensive, right? So like, do I wish that there were extra funds and there were like more mom daughter trips with Maya that we could have done just for a weekend, just to get more time one-on-one together a hundred percent. Like I look at the fact that she's a senior now. And one of the things I miss the most, and it's funny because I was so annoyed by it, like in the (laughs) the actual time period was when we moved, we moved out of school district for her school. So I drove her back and forth to school every day and it was 25 minutes one way. So I 25, 25 in the morning, 25, 25 at night. And it was so much, but I knew I had two hours a day in the car with her where it was just, and even if Gracie was with us, she's like cool in the car. So it's no big deal. But, um, those moments, right? Like I wish there's so many of those moments that I wish I could get back. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's as a parent when they're transitioning to a more independent life, we're like, did I do, did, did, you know, it's almost like, did I get the experiences of motherhood in, you know, this, but you know, you also had that first six years where it was just you two. And I remember doing a project in grad school that was like the first three years of a child's life is truly the most important because it gives them the foundation, the confidence, all the structure they need in their little brain to like be independent. So I don't know you, Maya, but I can probably suspect you are pretty independent. You can probably figure out anything that you need to. And if I'm going to send a kid into this world, I sure hope that they can be as like well-adjusted and structured as, as her, you know, I mean, that's pretty cool. And the fact that she loves you and like adores you, I can tell that you guys, like even just sitting as close as you are together, it's really indicative of the close relationship that you do have. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, that can, uh, unfortunately I think autism can also tear families apart because you know, these older kids or younger kids, they don't get that same attention and love. So they don't have those, that 
bond with a parent. I think that was a problem probably for us is that I felt disconnected a lot because, you know, I didn't have that physical touch. And so, I mean, you've, I mean, everyone did an amazing job at parenting me. There's no, like, I have no, no qualms about that, but you know, there's just different experiences that we have. So autism can be, um, a divider or a uniter. And it's kind of cool to see families that it unites people. It's so. It's a, it's a choice. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's so complicated. There's so many factors to it. It's not just one person's fault or one person's responsibility, yeah. but it's a lot of people making choices every oh, day to, to keep it together and to try to work together. And, yeah. and you nailed it. I know <laughs> Shannon's family's doing that. Molly's family's doing that. And you're continuing to do that. We're trying to yeah. do that. You guys are an inspiration to me, Maya and Molly. I'm just, mm-hmm. I just have loved chatting with both of you today and Shannon, of course. Mm-hmm. I, sh- I talk with Shannon all day, every day, <laughs> awesome. but, um, but it just, it just means a lot to have this conversation and we want if people have questions or they want to reach out to either of you, you know, through Shannon, you can talk to them. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can be on Instagram. Just run it by Shannon first. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You and Molly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then Molly, of course, I know you'd be willing uh, to to chat. You're very open and honest. And you bo- both you and your mother have been just wonderful sharing and being vulnerable and, and being willing to talk with us. We really appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, guys. I, I – I love that you have started this podcast because talking about it normalizes those feelings that we have. I mean, feelings are feelings and you guys are really putting it out there. Like, Hey, this feels bad. I got those feelings too. You know, you don't have to feel bad about feeling bad. So, or, you know, these victories that are just, they're personal to us, you know, these little, little milestones that may seem insignificant to other people are like huge beautiful blessings in our life and we get to celebrate it with each other. And that's, that community is so special. So thank you guys for creating that. Well, and I do want to say we are like behind the scenes, so welcome. the girls and I always, and we've said it on multiple podcast episodes that you guys as siblings, like you guys are the world changers. You guys are the ones yeah. who have lived this life. And I think and it doesn't always go this way, so I don't want to make it seem like that, but you've you've lived this life and you've made a choice in the way that you're going to allow it to affect you and change you. And I think it creates big, loving hearts and it creates empathy and it creates just these humans who will look at the world differently. And we need that. Like We need humans who will look at the world differently and teach other people and how to live and how to have these big hearts. And I think it's a lot on your shoulders. Like we're like, Hey, you're going to change the world, be world changers. But just instinctively by sharing your guys' stories, like that is what you guys are going to do. And just for caring for other people. Right. I mean, if we had, if everyone cared as much as we cared, that'd be a cool world. I mean, it would be. And it's, it's, yeah, no, it's pretty awesome. Crazy because um, there was this time, God, it was, it was a long time ago. So I can't really point out exactly what age I was, but I'd done something to wake up Gracie when she was really little in like the middle of the night. So my dad was like, okay, you get to go in and put her back to sleep. And I'm like, <laughs> and keep right. in mind, this is like later at night. And I'm like, oh no, like I'm, this is not going to go well for me. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to outdo all of these, like all my parents, we're going to outdo the parents. We're going to put her to bed right away. It's going to be great. 
you know, going with a positive mindset and I'm in there for hours. Like it's, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) and keep in mind there's like, Gracie's just the smallest little baby. And I used to be the kid that, um, I am a perfectionist Mm -hmm. and I am used to everything just being perfect and everything I did was perfect. And so no pressure. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And so I feel you, Maya. I feel right. (laughs) And so, you know, when Gracie was first born, I'm I'm gonna be completely honest because it was just me for so long. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely one of those because I was like, oh, a sibling. (laughs) Well, and so and I loved her. Like, there's no doubt about that. I've always loved her. But when we had first found out that she was autistic, I never, never understood it. I mean, quite honestly, I used to look at those kids and I would just had no idea mm-hmm. how they would do it knowing me because yeah. me I'm like a get friends good cool you have friends like everything was so easy and so I watched her struggle through certain things and I watched her struggle for Gracie to verbalize mm-hmm. and it confused me and it confused me that she wasn't like me mm-hmm. And so that night, as I'm holding, she was she was baby. If we were in our old house and we had this rocking chair, and it was kind of it was kind of stupid because it made a lot of noises when you rock. So every time I go back, so I'm like, how does this kid sleep in this? (laughs) Sorry, Um, sorry. There's like certain details that I always remember. Um, And like I'm looking at her, and she's kind of finally settling down. And it's hard because, like, to me, she is. I think it was that moment that changed it to she's perfect in the way that she was meant to be because like God to me, she's so, so beautiful and she's so smart in that moment. I'm just like holding her and I, I remember, I think about that a lot when I get annoyed with her and I just, I just wish other people could have moments like those. Like I did with her. I don't know. You said that so beautifully. I think all of us wish that everyone could see our people with autism, how we see them Mm -hmm. and how beautiful they are. And how cool for you to be able to recognize that. That's, that's, you said it. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. That was beautiful. Maya went through, I think we end there. She went through a yeah. phase where she actually, because we used to rock Gracie to sleep every single night. It was just like my mm-hmm. thing. And she went through a phase where she had to be the one that rocked Gracie <laughs> to sleep. But I'm the mommy. Nice. Like, oh I think God. it was after that when I was like, okay, this is my turn now. I would like to do this. <laughs> Being an overachiever isn't always the, the best way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we could end there. Um, Molly, if people would like to find you, what is the best way for them to find you? How do you find me? Uh... <laughs> Do you want to yeah. be found? Yeah. Do you right. want to be found? Question in my one. studio, in my house. <laughs> right? You can find me in my studio, actually. I, I, you can follow me on social media. I am Molly Marigold, Molly with an I-E. Um, and I think I talk about my brother a fair amount because he's a huge part of my story and why I am where, the, where, where I am. And uh, I love I love that. So, yeah, part of my journey. In, and I don't try to respect, you know, everyone's story independently, but he's such a big part of my story that I try to include that because just like Maya said, you want 
everyone to see how beautiful they are and how they've enhanced our lives. And he's enhanced my life so big that I hope it's always reflected in what I do. Mm -hmm. I love that. I do too. Definitely give Molly a follow. I'm obsessed with her feed. I'm obsessed with all of her art. I just and your cute I reels. Want to move I up think to you have the cutest now. reels. Yeah, I just I'm like it's it's you'd probably be a little shocked. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at this. I'm showing everybody. Oh, so I love it. Follow along and enjoy the beauty. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Well, thank you guys so much. And pardon my voice. I had laryngitis for the last three weeks. So this is as good as it gets. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> We've all been crying. sultry and, and beautiful. Yeah, like we're, <laughs> we're all crying snivelly humans. I know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and then you guys, obviously, if you don't follow us on Instagram, we're at Moms Talk Autism. You can find us at MomsTalkAutism.com. You can email us at hello at MomsTalkAutism.com. All of the things. Um, if you loved the episode today, we would love it if you could leave us a review wherever you listen. Um, it helps us find more moms, more dads, more siblings <laughs> who, you know, need some support and need to know that they're not alone. Um, so we would love it if you'd come and find us and leave us a review and we will do peak of the week, Brittany. Should we let Molly do a little if peak we- of the week? Yeah. I don't know if we told Molly about that. We're putting you on the spot. Do you know about our peaks of the week? Yes. Just, just something, something that's been good this week. Something that's Small, good. big. Doesn't even have to be about you. Oh gosh, I had one for the last time we were going to meet, but this one is I didn't come up with one. Um, so I moved my. I used to have a studio outside of the home, and I just moved back home. And I actually am going to say, as much as I was dreading it, I really like being around a lot, like mm-hmm. with my kids mm-hmm. more. So it's been great. Um, I'm busier than ever this Christmas, so that is that's something I'm really excited about. And I just made it about me, which is so. Oh no, that's what peak of the week is. That's what peak of the week is. Peaks can can be about you. You want Brady Britt? What about you? Um, I have been on a health journey the last. I mean, we're always on a health journey, but been giving it a lot of concentration and a lot of thought lately. And um, it's funny how it goes in waves and kind of like shifts like you're you're trying so hard to be healthy and lose weight and like exercise and all these things and it doesn't seem like anything's budging or shifting or changing and you're frustrated and this week I've had three different people come up to me and say I can tell that you've lost weight yep. you look funny what are you doing and I'm just like finally it's showing it's coming it's it's very validating right and not that we need that physical like oh I look so good but to just have someone else notice that isn't yourself yeah you know, it's like, it's like when your kids grow up and like someone hasn't seen them in a few months, they're like, oh my gosh, they're so tall. And you look at them and you're like, oh yeah, you did grow yeah. like six inches. I just, you just don't, totally. when you're in it day to day, you just don't realize it. So that was I really nice that. to hear that. You know, my dad used to always say, if you look good, you feel good, you do good. And it's not vain at all. It's literally like putting on clean, fresh clothes, you look good and then you feel good and you're nicer to people. So, you know, like however you're feeling good, that means you do good. So that's awesome. And happy people don't love that formula. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're, we're Brittany and I, Tosh gets annoyed because we quote movies all the time. So, you know, that's for you, Toshy (laughs) Tosh. Um, Do you have a peak of the week? Um, you know, I think I've been struggling with some relationships lately whether it's friends or you know even family and I think I'm finally starting to get out of the the rough point of that so 
making a comeback of Happy Maya. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> Working our way out of a funk. Going up now. Everyone gets in a funk, girl. Um, I think for me, like I've talked about it, and this is going to air next year, so whatever. But um, I've talked about it, and um, Gracie's kind of been in like a struggle pattern the last, gosh, month and a half. Yeah. Two months, mm-hmm. month and a half. And I have heard the most belly giggles this week oh than I have in a considerable amount of time and it just makes my I heart. love her laugh it she's got the best she's got, oh I got it, goosebumps oh, it is the best nothing is better no than a belly laugh and so that has just like it's amazing how much that can affect and significantly change your mood you know like just the giggles and so I'm getting my giggly girl back and so mm. that has made my week just so much better do you feel like a sense of relief, like oh, like your shoulders can just relax mm-hmm. a little bit, knowing like your kids are happy? They're happy oh, as a parent. Yeah, 100%. Just want your it makes a big happy. difference. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it makes a really big difference. So, all right. Well, all we right. are going to wrap this up, Molly. Thank you again for being here today. Like, so so happy to have this conversation with you and. I just like, I think we make some of the coolest relationships on this podcast, Brittany. And so I'm always trying to find a way to get somebody back on a podcast. So I'm working on that, Molly. <laughs> just now. I'm like, how do we, we want you I back? I love it. Back. We Thanks. Need, we I, need you know, I'll work on not crying so much next time, but you guys are just deep, deep diggers and I love it. I love it. I know. Good. We And we went straight to it today too. Like we just went straight to it. Oh, so. we haven't even skimmed it. We got, we got lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Molly Part 2 coming in That's 2024. Right. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank Have you. an amazing, amazing day, and we will catch you back on the pod next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.